You're listening to The Doers Podcast, right here on The Doers Network. And now, here's your host, Donald Robinson II. Well, welcome everyone to The Doers Network. I'm Donald Robinson II, your host. And in our interview, we have Ms. Chanel Hampton, strategic founder, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful business she's building, strategic community partners. Check us out. Please take a listen closely. There'll probably be some services that all your listeners out there will be needing, hopefully in the near future, in very near future. So, Chanel, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Don? Excellent. Excellent. Welcome to the show. Glad you're able to join the Doers Network and everything. And so I uh, just want to ask you some things about yourself and who you are and what you're doing. So, Chanel, who who is Chanel Hampton and what is your background? That is a great question. Uh, so I am an educator. I am a Detroiter. Uh, and I identify as a servant leader. Uh, so I'm the founder and president of Strategic Community Partners. And STP is a national organization that builds capacity within organizations doing work on the education, equity, and justice front. Uh, we do this by pairing strategy with community and cultural contexts to help lead strategic plans, talent initiatives, coach leadership, and host large-scale community and youth-based events. And SCP was birthed out of my background uh, and honing a skill set for about 15 years in education, uh, community-based organizations, and nonprofit management. I uh, began my career as a teacher, became an administrator, and became very passionate about intentionally building up strategic plans that were responsive and based in community work okay. uh, and community and cultural context. And so uh, this, this organization has been birthed out of a passion for education, equity, and justice. Oh, excellent, excellent. Now, just curious, Chanel, what what, when you were in your teaching years, what did you teach? So I actually lived in St. Louis for about 10 years, and I was a middle school English and social studies teacher, and I also taught a class called Abbott. Um, so I taught uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. In your, in your teaching experience, what were some of the uh, things to note that you learned, you know, dealing with the children and, and just, you know, in the day-to-day operations of teaching what what were some of the things that that inspired you or or you know got you going as far as as far as what you learned I mean what what do you think you learned the most from it yeah I mean I was reminded day in and day out that our children um, are our greatest potential Um, they're our future leaders Um, they are what matters the most and oftentimes it isn't kids that Uh, are the problem, if you will. It's adults and adult problems. And so for me, I went into education because I wanted to ensure that students that looked like me and looked like my family had the quality of education that I knew they deserved. And on my, in my classroom, uh, I had this mantra, if you will, and it's something that I deeply believe. And I believe that all kids can learn All kids will fulfill uh, their potential and exceed any expectations put forth if we do what we are to do as teachers and as adults. Uh, And so I approached every single kid in my classroom, uh, not only the student, uh, but their families, their parents, um, building relationships and getting to know them. Um, And every young person, no matter how young or old they are, they have their own personalities. They have their own learning styles. I fundamentally believe no child wakes up and says, I don't want to be successful today. I don't want to learn. Uh, And so I literally every day um, tried to give my best um, and do what I knew um, 
just give them everything I knew that they deserved. Uh, and so that was really what happened in my classroom was room 106. So in room 106 in the Terrace's classroom, um, I literally tried to give my best every day yeah. um, and, and truly believe that my kids were far more brilliant than me. I was just along for the ride and helping like, you know, pour a little water on the flowers that they were. Yeah. Um, and it, it was an amazing, amazing, humbling experience. And to this day, I keep in touch with so many of my students. Now they're grown uh, and adults, um, but sure. it, it is literally the most rewarding experience and the most noble profession that um, I I can imagine. And even as a company uh, CEO and president, teaching to this day is still the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that you were very influential on the multitude of children because what you touched on just a little while ago, the thing about it is that it's a partnership between the parent, the teacher, and the child. And because you incorporate, you were able to incorporate an all-inclusive method with involving both the family and the child, as well as yourself, that, that, that's really, that really speaks volumes because a lot of times the, the, the child may have one or two things missing. I mean, either they may not have a parent at home or maybe issues going on at home, so they can't learn in the classroom. And I'm just, I'm just glad and thankful for you to have those years in the classroom and, and inspire many, many multitudes of kids. So thank, I will say from my bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Thank you. That means a lot. It, it's definitely, I still consider it an honor to be, um, to have been their teacher and, and to be a continuing person in their village. Absolutely. So then in, you know, tra um, transitioning the conversation a little bit. So how did you come to start strategic community partners and what led you to start your business? That's a great question, Don. Um, I actually, when I was teaching in St. Louis, uh, over 90% of our students self-identified as Black. And under 10% of our teachers entering in the region uh, identified as Black. And so as a Black woman, um, as a teacher of color, I had majority of my students identified as students of color. A majority of my students were Black. Um, and I considered it an honor and privilege to be their teacher. Sure. I also thought about my own educational experiences where um, I didn't see a, a Black teacher, literally my entire K through 12 experience. And so uh, as I was teaching, became very passionate about ensuring that every single student was able to see someone who could socioculturally identify as they did uh, in their day, at least once throughout their day. Yeah. And so I actually started this collective in the region and started just in my own quote unquote free time, which teachers really don't have, right. um, started grassroots organizing and recruiting teachers of color to come teach in St. Louis. And so this really sparked an interest for me and my principal and other leadership in the school um, tapped me uh, to essentially become a school leader. And so I became an administrator um, and I also uh, ended up launching the National Diversity Recruitment Initiatives to recruit thousands of teachers across the country. Uh, and so before I actually launched SCP about three years ago, I was leading a national uh, recruitment team and diversity recruitment initiatives okay. um, and worked with over 52 regions across the country. So this threat of education, this threat of talent and strategy, uh, particularly thinking about it through the need of the needs and desire of a community um, are really what burst SCP. Okay. And so now in the organization today, I'm not doing anything, uh, you know, that I haven't done before in my career um, and the same for my team members. So all of my team members have direct experience and years of experience doing work uh, with the very partners that we're working with here in Detroit and in D.C. and around the country. OK, so so 
how many cities are you in right now nationwide? So we actually just, we launched almost three years ago. Um, and this past January, we opened up our second office in DC. Okay. Uh, we're really excited and looking at uh, launching another office uh, in 2019. It, it's crazy to believe, um, but we have partners um, in a number of states. So typically, you know, we're open to working with clients across the country. Um, but as we've seen a growing uh, desire and need from particular communities, we're seeing that we should be laying roots there, hiring, uh, you know, full-time employees there. Uh, so currently our headquarters are here in Detroit uh, and we have our second office in DC. Okay. Now in terms of um, what is strategic community partners in terms of the services, you, all, the, all of the services you provide? Yeah, so we focus in on five key areas within SCP, um, and we really believe in this thread of strategy and cultural and community context. And okay. so we do that working uh, with education partners, building out strategy plans, doing talent and recruitment efforts, as well as retention efforts. Uh, we also uh, host large-scale community uh, and youth-based events uh, and do leadership coaching as well. Um, so with those five areas, it looks very different from client to client, partner to partner. Um, and we do uh, actually on our website at strategiccommunitypartners.org, we also call out the process that we use as we are engaging with each of our partners. So it's really about sitting at the table and understanding a partner's vision and their mission and what they're looking to achieve. And through that conversation, we can do a couple of things. We can find out what their actual needs are in terms of capacity. Uh, do, you know, do they actually have a clear vision and need some support in terms of executing? Or you know, do they have this overarching vision but really need uh, someone to help them build out uh, really the nuts and bolts of that? And so that might look like us literally designing and executing full-on initiatives and programs and events. That also might look like us playing a more behind-the-roll scene and executing on a plan that a team and an organization has already clearly laid out. Okay. Uh, do you all have direct partnerships with school districts? We do. So we work with a number of districts uh, here in Detroit, and we've actually worked with the Michigan Department of Education. Okay. Uh, and, and with that particular partnership, we actually did work with every single district in the entire state. Okay. Uh, but here in Detroit, I'm a little biased. I'm from Detroit. Um, obviously, I live in Detroit. My office is in Detroit. Um, and so we do a lot of work with, um, you know, tens of districts across the city. Uh, and so it's just it's it's a pleasure and an honor to work in my hometown here specifically. Well, welcome back home. I'm glad you came back. Now, how, how, how long have you been back now? Yeah, I moved back, uh, let's see, almost hmm, four years ago okay. um, and moved back home to Detroit. Um, I it, It's been great. Um, I was knew I wanted to come back home, but it was a matter of making sure, you know, financially and professionally, everything, you know, there was a foundation. And so it's been an amazing four years back. Um, it's so good to be back home. I love St. Louis. I love traveling. I traveled three weeks a month uh, for over five years for my job, leading a national team. And there's just nothing like being home, honestly. <laughs> sure. Yeah. What, what led you to a place like St. Louis? I mean, what, what led you there? So interestingly enough, uh, when I uh, was looking for a full-time job um, after earning uh, my first couple degrees, uh, I wanted to stay in Michigan and I couldn't find a job. It was the peak of the economic recession. Um, I was responsible for a number of family members um, and literally couldn't find employment here. Uh, and so I 
very like long story short, I knew I didn't want to go to the coast, didn't want to go to the east coast, didn't want to go to the west coast, didn't yeah. want to go down south. Right. Uh, I wanted to stay in the Midwest because I wanted to get back home as soon as possible. Sure. Uh, and so in my eyes, that left St. Louis and Chicago. Uh, really had no desire, not knocking Chicago, uh, but just didn't want to go to Chicago. Uh, was conscious of the cost of living, and so I moved to St. Louis. I did a lot of research and. Like a fun fact, the cost of living is extremely low in St. Louis, ridiculously low. Um, I was able to buy my first house, like as a teacher and my second year teaching there. Uh, And so I just did a lot of research and financially it made sense. And so I I moved to St. Louis. Okay. And you say you spent 10 years there? Yes, I was there for almost 10 years. It was actually, I think, seven, eight years that I was there. Okay. I, I, I'm finding it almost hard to believe because so many people talk about how the cost of living is reasonable in Detroit. You mean that St. Louis is even lower than Detroit? Uh, you know, there are some things that I am very hopeful that we can take uh, a page out of the handbook from St. Louis. To be clear, there are many things that we still need to work on in St. Louis. But, uh, for instance, the the utilities there, uh, my full, like, full coverage car insurance was – $85 and change wow. um, when I was in St. Louis. Uh, and, and to be clear, you know, we do unfortunately have issues or, you know, with crime and different statistics and all of those things in St. Louis, as we do here in Detroit, for instance. Right. Um, but the costs are my insurance costs was drastically different. My utilities, like my electric, my energy, it was just, it, everything was cost effective. Water, my water bill was much cheaper. And so the necessities, the bare necessities to live um, in St. Louis, the cost of rent, et cetera, even downtown in an area that in some ways had been gentrified, uh, it was drastically cheaper. Uh, and so that was a bit of a shift coming home, but that's also you know, why I knew I needed to have that firm financial foundation um, right. to move back home to be able to still provide for my family and myself. Sure. So yeah, it was it was a really, I mean, Detroit is, you know, cheap in comparison to your New York's, your DC's, your LA's. Uh, but St. Louis was amazing in terms of the cost of living. So I don't want to move back there, uh, but I do want Detroit to learn uh, yeah. and, and take some things and adopt them uh, from St. Louis and from Missouri. Yeah, well, there's a lot of, you know, things that, that, we Detroiters and Michiganders can learn because a lot of areas are great areas, just like Indianapolis or St. Louis and other lower people say lower population, but maybe lesser known, maybe not as popular, glitzy, but they have these, these cultures and these environments in their metropolis that make for a vibrant community. And I'm I'm thinking that Detroit will get there soon. And it seems like we're growing and growing quickly towards that. It's just a matter of there's a you know a few th- certain things that, that have to be improved on, especially the school district. Um, and I'm glad that that's why I'm glad also you came back home because then you can lend your expertise as a teacher who was successful and effective and community minded to bring that to Detroit. And you know we we can have we can, I mean I can't speak enough on how we need we can use SCP services in great capacity more than people know. You know, and I'm glad that you were able to start SCP and get going because. There's a lot of lot of needs out here, and I know um, you. How much how much activity do you have in actual neighborhoods, like going to work with community groups and things like that? Do you do anything like that? Yeah, so a lot of our work actually does serve uh, neighborhoods. Um, while our office is here at Bamboo in downtown Detroit, um, we actually work uh, with districts and schools across the city, in neighborhoods across the city. Uh, my family and I'm from, you know, I'm from the neighborhood in the city. Uh, right. Move around to a number of neighborhoods, in fact. 
Um, but we do work with community-based organizations and local nonprofits as well. Um, and then even with our larger partners, so when you think about, you know, the United Way, Skillman's, yeah. uh, DESCs, we're still actually working directly in the community. And so one of our, one of the biggest things, one of the most constant, consistent things that I say to our partners is, you know, we are planning something uh, in service of someone, we should be planning it with them, right? And so we always bring the communities that we're serving to the table, even okay. if that's just to get feedback from them and hear what they need. And so we're constantly working, um, you know, in the community with the community side by side uh, with folks, uh, with Detroiters. Okay. Now, did you all provide, like, let's say if there's a nonprofit community group or maybe a block club, do you all provide like technical assistance to them or maybe help them get set up or do you do any services like that? That's an interesting question. We actually haven't, now that I think of it, worked uh, directly with like any block clubs or like neighborhood clubs. We're certainly open to it. Um, what I have had and what I've noticed is oftentimes, even on social media, um, folks will reach out and they're interested in learning more or even just want to have a conversation, sit down for coffee, um, just get some advice if they're trying to, you know, start something up or build a strategic plan. Um, okay. And I've certainly had a number of conversations, you know, like that. Um, but we haven't like formally uh, partnered with like a, a block club, for instance. Okay. Okay. Um, but we are certainly open to it. Okay. What about in terms of, I know in the local government, they do a lot of public-private partnerships and projects. And, you know, they, it's been a big initiative over the last uh, maybe eight, almost 10 years where they actually reach, the planners actually reach out to the community when they want to do plans as far as building housing and things like that. Are you all involved in any of that activity as well? Yeah, that actually made me think about, I know there's like a lot around the riverfront, right? And so we're yeah. not doing any, we haven't been working on any projects around like riverfront or, or anything like that. However, um, there are a number of projects and, and initiatives that we're working on that are in partnership with, for instance, um, you know, City Hall, the mayor's office, okay. DESC, um, specific neighborhoods. And so, for instance, uh, last year, uh, Bloomberg Philanthropies launched an innovation challenge and Detroit was named one of 35 champion cities um, okay. from across the country. Uh, and what's interesting is that of those 35 cities, Detroit was one of two to actually uh, apply with an innovation that was youth focused and community focused. Okay. Um, other cities, for instance, I think it's Philly, um, you know, they are actually doing some technology and like drone innovation. Okay. Uh, here in Detroit, we know that we need to pour into our youth and our children. Yeah. Um, and so we actually submitted an innovation and challenge that called for us to do that. And so we're working um, a number of folks are sitting around the table. We have um, employers from around the region. We have uh, Detroit Employment Solutions Corporation, the Detroit Talent Team, okay. the Mayor's Team, the Bloomberg Team, uh, a number of schools from around the city and neighborhoods. Uh, and so that's a really exciting partnership that brings together corporate and community, um, civic engagements, um, and employers. And so that's been a, a really uh Really exciting, really interesting. We actually have a visit uh, with the Bloomberg team. Uh, and so we're going to be getting another couple hundred students hired in place for their summer internships, which is really exciting. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful. How many kids are you playing? Are you all targeting? Are you, do you do you all have any set amount of kids to reach for the goal or are you just kind of? Yeah, so uh, Grow Detroit Some Talent as a whole employs anywhere from about 8,000 to 11,000 students each summer uh, across the city in summer internships. And this innovation that we received from Bloomberg actually allowed us to pilot a deeper diving GDYT or Grow Detroit Some Talent program okay. where we have career specialists that we've hired and put into each of our schools to work with students to not only ensure that they're getting a job and that opportunity, but that we're helping build up those skill sets so that they're actually successful and can 
successfully perform, um, you know, and retain their job. Um, and so that pilot is with a small subset of about 400 students okay. across five schools uh, okay. in the city. Okay. And then that's, that's really, really well needed because in today's youth, there's not a lot of programming and support in terms of teaching them the soft, what we call the soft skills, you know, the, the mannerisms, how you mm-hmm. dress, how you keep yourself groomed and things right. like that, you know, which I'm glad that you all are working on things like that because a lot of the kids now just, they just don't have that exposure. They just don't know. It's not that they're ignorant or mad or angry. It's just that they don't know. You know, I'm glad right. that you all and are I doing think- that. Right. And I, I think that so often we as adults forget that someone had to teach us as well. That's right. Right. And so, uh, you know, it, it's even though we consider maybe these soft skills and these nuances, oftentimes that can be the make or break of someone getting a job. Right. Yeah. And not just as a young person, um, but even as adults, you know, right. there are things that, you know, there are a number of young women and young men that I mentor and there are things that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so it's how do we pay it forward and how do we make sure that we're not only giving someone an opportunity, but making sure we're setting them up for success with that opportunity and that they can not only get a job, but actually retain the job. Sure. And, and hopefully, I mean, this this pilot in the entire GDYT program um, places um, students in internships. The hope is that, you know, any student who is interested in a full time opportunity, that's a pipeline into a full time job at that company. And so, um, you know, there's just a huge opportunity there. And so it's very much about paying it forward and making sure that just as someone taught us, you know, in addition to, you know, family members and parents that we have this team across the city that can also help support our youth. Sure. Now, as far as SCP, do you all, do you all provide like direct partnerships with corporations? Like um, maybe you have a a pet project that you're working with strictly corporations on or how how do you work with them? So oftentimes we, you'll never see us. So the easiest thing I say down is you'll never see us working with a pharmaceutical company or a corporate company to help them make more money. Okay. Yes, we're strategic. Yes, we can help build systems and operations and make organizations more efficient, but we're never going to do that in the name of corporate efficiency and the corporate dollar. Sure. Uh, what we do is we will partner and we have partnered with a couple of corporate organizations uh, to lead, uh, do some things around leadership coaching to help them build out some programming um, and professional development about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oftentimes, those are more like private partnerships. We might be doing some one-on-one coaching uh, or helping them internally with like a leadership team, for instance, and creating some DEI programming. Um, But you'll never see SCP uh, working to take our strategy and help someone increase their revenue. Uh, What we are really doing is working and focused and committed to furthering education, equity, and justice with any organization that is committed to that. And see, the thing is too, the reason I brought that up, which which is, it's a nice thing that a lot of, you know, local companies and even national companies who are set roots in Detroit are starting to incorporate that community relations model as part of their operation. Like for example, you know, with Quicken Loans, they have, their employees spend a certain amount of percentage of hours working in the community. And that's why I see that SCP can, can, can play a very, very vital role with any corporation that's just sitting shop in Detroit, even Metro Detroit or Michigan as a whole, because and I'm, I'm glad that the corporate partners are starting to realize that you have to give back to a certain extent. And I think think ventures like what you're into with SCP and all the different um, avenues and, and projects you're working on that helps strengthen this bond between all aspects of the city because so many times you hear about the city versus the suburbs or downtown versus midtown or midtown versus the neighborhoods but you know efforts like these can help bridge those gaps where people are out here 
doing things in the community and really having a heart to help the community. And, you know, for example, you see, you know, some of the corporate partners helping paint murals or, or out in the parks trying to help clean up and, and things like that. That is really, I think that really helps set the mark for Detroit because a lot of people, even on the podcast we talk to, talk about how the spirit of cooperation and cohesiveness and, and working together really is starting to take take really strong roots and, and you can see it all around you. And I think that that's the biggest key for this city's turnaround. I mean, we talked about the turnaround for over 20 years, but here it's tangible. You can see it in the air. You can feel it because of the people's resolve and willingness to work together. And that's why I say SCP is a leader in that. And you, I just applaud you all, you and your team for doing what you're doing because we need it and it's needed and it's being fulfilled. And then, you know, it's like a destiny that you're, you're really walking a path with here. And I'm really congrat, congratulate you so much. And thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Thank you, Don. And then now in terms of how you set up shop, how, what, what led you to set to setting up shop in, in a place like Bamboo Detroit? How did you come across Bamboo Detroit? Yeah, so we actually uh, started, we were a tenant uh, in the old Bamboo. And uh, we actually had an opportunity that my first year and a half, uh, it was just myself. I was the only full-time employee. I didn't necessarily need ongoing uh, consultants or part-time team members. And we actually had a phenomenal opportunity to work uh, with My Brother's Keeper Alliance, uh, okay. President Obama's initiative, while he was in office. And we helped bring uh, an opportunity summit uh, for young men uh, to Detroit. Uh, and I remember getting this call um, from a dear friend and an old colleague of mine uh, and him, you know, essentially saying, hey, we have this great opportunity. We're going to be doing this in Detroit. I couldn't think of anyone better to partner with on this initiative. Uh, and so we had a very short amount of time to help uh, ensure that the Opportunity Summit here in Detroit in November of 2016 was exactly what boys and young men of color across our city deserved. And so we had, uh, you know, all, almost 1,800 uh, boys and young men of color come. We had hundreds of young men walk away with jobs. We had wow. workshops going on. It was just like so, ex I mean, the energy, it was palpable and it was contagious. And I remember when I got that call, I was so excited. I was humbled beyond anything. And I also literally hung up the phone and thought to myself, uh, I need a team. And yeah. so uh, I quickly brought on almost 20 consultants to work on this project. We had a really tight timeline. I wanted to deliver for our young men in the city and obviously for our Obama's team and MBKA. Sure. And so I remember shopping around and uh, found Bamboo. And what was funny is they were in their old location on Brush Street, but they had up on the wall this blueprint of what the future bamboo would look like. Yeah. And so it, it sold me. Uh, well, also, it was between like looking at their future vision. Um, more importantly, and most importantly, was the cultural inclusion um, and the equity in which bamboo was founded. Uh, and so it, it kept us with bamboo for a couple of years now. And so um, we've been with them since the old bamboo. Um, the culture, the inclusivity, the, the equitable stance in which our programming is arranged, uh, office space is arranged, just everything. It is very intentional um, in a way that I actually have not seen a co-working space anywhere in the country right. um, built. And so I always, you know, say to Amanda and Mike, like, when are you going to take bamboo around the country? When right. is there going to be a bamboo DC? When is there going to be a bamboo New York? Right. Um, and also, I mean, it's a great community, great people. Uh, it's also cost effective. Yeah. Uh, and so we've just loved being with bamboo. Uh, and Amanda has been phenomenal. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we love being part of the bamboo family. Well, glad to have you part of the as part of the family. Because that's uh, your key component to that family. And, and the thing is, you're right, because Amanda and Mike have, and, you know, um, 
you know, Priestley with Brian and Dave, they, those, mm-hmm. all, all of those, all those guys really just have done a phenomenal job in building a community that's on, it has so many facets and faces to it. I mean, you, one thing you can say it's a co-working space. On another level, you can say it's an event holding space. You yes. can say, you know, you can say it's a, it's a membership, you know, it's an entrepreneurship space. I mean, it's, it's so many different things, but the common thread, I think like you just, like you just touched on the common thread is that there are people working together and even amongst the members, you know, so many members helping each other, you know, and, and that's, that's the key to the, that's the key ingredient to the success of anything. And I think, um, just by them embedding in the, within the fabric woven into their, their whole philosophy, the community minded spirit is what makes them grow and very successful. And I think that's, that's the key piece. And I think we finally hit the mark with it all. And I'm, you know, that's why I'm, you know, more than more than appreciative of every all the efforts that are being you know placed by yourself, you know, the bamboo team, all the other entrepreneurs that are members, and even the ones who are not members, the people who come through all the events. Because I've met so many people who are not members of bamboo, but they come to all the events. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 a great thing to be a part of, and I'm glad that you know. Again, can't say enough. I'm glad that you're a part of it, and I want to give you. A, I want to get a little vision from you too. Be, um, before we forget anything else now sure let me ask you this what what is your take on the community scene as a whole and like we talked about the neighborhoods a little bit but the the community activist scene and, and, and the organization scene what, what what's your take on detroit as a whole in, in in terms of you know cohesiveness is it working is it not working is it things that be improved on what's your take on all that that's a great question. That's also a very loaded question. Yeah. I was uh, <laughs> chatting with someone, a couple of folks from Ukraine uh, a few months ago, and they asked a similar question. And, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about the quote-unquote comeback of the city. And uh, I think that, so I'm a history nerd. Um, In undergrad, I was obsessed with taking as many courses as possible to particularly learn about my community um, and marginalized communities, uh, not only across the country, but across the world. And we can learn from history. So what I always, what I've been saying to friends, colleagues, anyone who wants to engage in this conversation is that, you know, we can be the next Chicago or we can be better than Chicago. Okay. And if you look at the history of gentrification and the history of urban planning as a whole, you look at any major urban city across the country, there is a highway built through what used to be the black metropolis uh, and just like rich core of the city. In Detroit, it's I-75 and it's built through Black Bottom. Right. Uh, you look at any major city that happens, right? Um, you see, you know, white flight when folks went out to the suburbs and now you're seeing folks coming back to the city. Um, and there are so many great things happening in terms of efforts and resources um, and capacity and opportunities in Detroit. But we have to be careful to make sure that that is happening with and for those who are from this city and those who have remained in the city. Right. And, you know, when you can walk around in a neighborhood as, you know, a black citizen of Detroit, where nearly 90 percent of our city's population is black um, and feel othered and feel not welcomed, we have a problem. Yeah. And so... I think when we think about community activism and and activist organizations uh, at the intersection of corporate America um, and a lot of the like capital that is coming into the city, uh, I think there it's a double-edged sword. On one hand, we have to make sure it's inclusive. We have to make sure it's equitable and affordable living is not a $1,500 studio apartment. Uh, But we also need to make sure that we aren't uh, 
I guess doing what has been done to us so often in history and, and ostracizing and pushing people out, right? right? So it is okay if somebody is from LA and happens to move to Detroit, right? What right. I don't I don't care about someone's privilege. What I care about is that they have the right mindset and they want to learn and be a part of my community um, and not do things unto my community. Um, and so it's a double-edged sword. I think that we are at a make or break point as a city and I truly believe that we can move in the right direction, um, but it's gonna take tough conversations. I think it takes corporate dollars thinking about their investments uh, and their CSR in a very different way than has ever been done in this country. Uh, but I believe it's possible because I do believe that our resiliency in the spirit of Detroit is unlike any other city in this country. Oh yeah. Uh, and so I'm hopeful um, for the future. I also, you know, am not naive. I'm hopeful. It's going to be difficult, um, but I do believe it's possible in Detroit. I believe so too. And that, and that whole notion of diversity, I mean, in my younger years, used to travel a lot, um, young adulthood, you know, and, and used to look around and, you know, like I said before, like, you know, smaller cities like Indianapolis, how's, how's Indianapolis trumping us in terms of the diversity and the fact that somebody can go to a blues bar at two o'clock in the morning and not, and feel safe. And, <laughs> and I'm, and again, I'm glad that, that, that you and SCP are working with the conjunction of other um, groups like Grow Detroit's Youth and, and things like that in the mayor's office and other, you know, DESC and all of the other groups that are really trying to build the skills of the youth because they got to have certain skills. If they don't have this certain skills, they're going to be already behind the eight ball automatically, you know? Right, right. I mean, thinking about Detroit, Don, in like the next five, 10 years, I, so to be clear, I believe that we have the resiliency, we have the innovation and creativity. Um, and for a number of reasons, our city has been overlooked for decades. Yeah. And so I do believe that Detroit will be this hub in the country um, and even internationally, uh, a hub that is innovative um, and the catalyst for work and efforts around the country. So okay. often I think we look at New York, we look at DC, right? So we look at New York for capital and creativity leadership. We sure. look at California for tech. We look at you know different communities around the country for various things. And I do believe that the country and the world, it, we're going to be looking at Detroit yeah. um, for so many of these models. Um, and, and just, uh, I deeply believe that. And I, I know that so many people and so many organizations are working every day. Uh, and so often it's not that people change the work they're doing, but there's a moment in time and something shifts and then the world looks at you. Yeah. And I do believe the world is going to be looking at us. Oh yeah. And, and in some way they already are, you know, the, the, the comeback city, yeah. the, the comeback kids, I guess that's what they're calling us now. They're looking at us, and now we just got to take that momentum and build on it. And I think that's exactly what we're doing. And, and a great organization like SCP is laying, helping to lay that foundation. And again, thank you so much for being for creating SCP and having a great team to help do that because it, it just it just I can't speak enough on the volume of it. It, it speaks volumes of what you all are doing and making a difference out here. And I, thank you so much. It is. It's an honor. It's fun, and it's an honor. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Now, before we wrap up, we want to make sure all you out there listening, if you're interested in getting involved in community organization and getting more information about strategic community partners, uh, Chanel, let's, let's, let's go into your contact information as well as let's recap on the website again, please. Wonderful. So if you're interested in learning more, uh, we would love to connect with you. Our website is strategiccommunitypartners.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn uh, at Strategic Community Partners. We'd love to hear from you. Love to connect. Now, how can someone reach you directly? 
Um, so if folks want to reach us directly, we uh, immediately respond. If you like directly message us on social media, you can also uh, reach us at info at strategiccommunitypartners.org. Um, and we are very responsive, um, depending on, you know, if you're just interested in sitting down for coffee, if you want to learn more about our programming, we have folks reaching out for volunteer opportunities. We have those for you too, for different events we're planning. Um, but feel free, literally connect with us, follow us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. And folks, if you're listening and you're not in the Detroit area specifically, please still reach out because with the technology, we can reach through email, social media, phone, text, whatever. Make sure you reach out if there's something of interest to you and what we've been discussing here. So with that being said, Chanel, thank you so much for being part of the Doers Network podcast interview. Appreciate you. We had a, it's a great, great opportunity, great time, great information. So thank you so much for being on the show. Don, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And thank you for everything you're doing to uplift stories of amazing leaders and, and organizations doing work uh, in Detroit. Well, I only do it because you guys are doing it. I'm here to applaud and support you all. So I, I can't thank you enough for doing what you're doing. So with that being said, folks, thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Doers Network, where actives grow and thrive. We hope you've enjoyed our interview with Ms. Chanel Hampton, founder and creator of Strategic Community Partners, right here on the Doers Network. For more information, you can go to strategiccommunitypartners.org. That's strategiccommunitypartners.org. So if you're looking for more involvement in your community and you want resources and information, visit Strategic Community Partners' website and get in contact. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Bamboo Detroit, located in the heart of downtown Detroit. Bamboo Detroit specializes in co-working space and amenities for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers. Bamboo Detroit, where we do more together because Detroit is for doers. We appreciate your support by subscribing to our podcast right here on the Doers Network. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Doers Podcast, where actives grow and thrive. The Doers Podcast is produced by Bamboo Detroit Network. For more information, visit us at bamboodetroit.com.